I've preached out of the text before, but tonight we'll be in the book of John in chapter number 12. John in chapter number 12, and as as I've been studying some in John, I crossed this, and honestly, I couldn't help but weep. I couldn't help but weep when I I read these verses here that we'll read tonight um, over the fact of, uh, you'll see in just a minute, um, and uh, I tell you, if you've ever had any desire at all to see... uh, the glory, power, and majesty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then uh, look no further than this passage right here. Amen. Um, look no further than this. Uh, I tell you, is that as we've um, seen all of this and heard about heard about this man by the name of Lazarus. Everybody's heard about Lazarus, right? Right. All right. Good. I'm glad you've heard about Lazarus. Well, this is something I've read through, but never, ever, ever realized what's going on here. Never have I ever realized it. But I tell you, I, I want you to do something tonight. I want you to let loose and let God take control. Amen. And I want you to let loose, and I mean just worship. Amen. Not only do I want you to do that, but God wants you to do that. Amen. Amen. Because I'm about to let loose in a second. And we're going to preach for a little while. Because I'm glad about this. Uh, John chapter 12, stand to your feet. We'll read two verses, first and second verse. And I want you to just fathom it and think about this as I read it. The Bible says in verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of John, it says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, now realize, Before the Passover, that's before the day he's going to be in the tomb. Okay? That's before the day he's... Alright, six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the Bible says, right? I'm I'm reading out the Bible. Which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Verse 2, the Bible says, There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. God, we love you tonight. We thank you. I pray God you'd help us tonight to preach the message. Lord, get all your glory, God. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look no further than this passage here to find the power, the majesty, uh, the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As He did this, uh, this passage, uh, in this passage here, in this text that we just read, we are allowed uh, to see what Jesus did for Lazarus. What Jesus did for Lazarus, what a thrill to know that we serve a God with a plan, friend. We serve a God with a a miraculous plan. This is a miracle that He's sitting at the table with the Savior. Amen. A a miraculous plan there. Or, you know, if He, if you're saved here tonight, He's done exactly what He did to Lazarus. He brought you from the tomb and He's going to sit you at the table. Amen. Thank God. He He brought me from the tomb all the way to the table one day. He brought me from the deathbed of my life. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 5, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Ephesians 2 and 1, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And if you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin, that's exactly Bible, that's in quote to it. You know what the word quicken means? Make alive. 
He's made us alive tonight, thank God. Uh, let loose tonight and worship Him, friend, if He's done this for you. Hallelujah. He's done it for me. I'm going to preach you a simple title, and don't laugh at me. The Lord sent me this title, so don't make fun of me. Look who's coming to supper. Hey, man. Look who's coming to supper. Hey, man, I'm glad that this man, this man was dead, friend. Number one, we see Lazarus in the tomb. We see Lazarus in the tomb. We see that in, and we'll turn over to chapter 11 and read some there. But in verse 32 of chapter 11, you'll find then when, then when Mary was come, uh, where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. He was dead. He was dead is what he was at this moment. He was, he wasn't just sick, friend. He was dead. You know what's dead's dead? That's crazy, ain't it? What's dead is dead. Uh, he was oblivious to his surroundings. He was oblivious to the Savior and the Lord's presence at that moment. He was oblivious to it all. He did not know Jesus was there when he was dead. He did not know Jesus cared when he was dead. He did not care about any of that kind of stuff. He could not uh, see anything around him. He didn't know that his sister Mary and Martha had prayed for him. He did not know that they had sought out Jesus to find him. Why, you see? say preacher because he was dead he was dead and the bible tells us in ephesians 2 1 as i've already said that we were dead in our trespasses and sin we were dead in our trespasses and sin and i tell you something uh if the sinners lost and dead in their trespasses and sin if they're stuck inside of that kind of mess and and all sinners are we didn't know about the presence of god or what was going on around us or who was praying for us and we didn't care about any of it either we were dead not only was he dead, but he was also decayed. The Bible says in, in verse 39 of chapter 11, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. That's Bible. For he hath been dead uh, four days, the Bible says. According to Martha there, Lazarus had been dead long enough to, de to the decaying process to start. He had been dead long enough. He stunk is what he done. He stunk. Jesus in the New Testament raised three people from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter. He raised the, uh, widow's, the widow's son. And he raised Lazarus. And all three of them had one thing in common. They were dead. What's dead is dead. Are you with me? What's dead is dead. And they all had those three things in common there. And as he rose Jairus' daughter, you know, you might not know the story there, but there was a lot that went on there when he rose the widow's son. And there was a lot going on there. You'll find those in Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 7. And you'll find both of those things there. But they had that one thing in common and they were dead. They were dead there. But what a picture of sinners today, friend. Decaying. Decaying, as I went through this morning, uh, the physically, the physically dead are no good. All they're worth is being buried, right? The spiritually dead are also no good. They're nothing but 
The only thing they're worthy of is hell. And that's the only thing they're fit for absolutely nothing besides hell. And that was me and you. Fit for hell. We were born fit for hell. That's what we were born for. Then the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 as well, but God, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy. But God, who is rich in mercy. Let me tell you is that when we look at all this kind of stuff and we see this, that, that, uh, let, let me tell you something. The Bible says there in verse 39 that he stinketh is what the Bible says. Is that right? He stinketh. He'd been there four days. He stinks. Well, let me tell you, my sin stinks. My sin stinks to God. God don't like my sin. He don't like the smell of my sin and how, you might, your sin smells. It does. The Bible says that we, or Jesus, His sacrifice for our sins sent up a sweet-smelling savor to God. Why do you think God wasn't satisfied with the blood of rams and bullocks? It was no more, satis- it was no more satisfying to Him. The smell of that as they sent it, up, sent it up from the tabernacle every single day at the altar, they could no longer satisfy Jesus, God. But His Son satisfied Him forever. And in turn, what it done for us is because we are covered by the blood and by His blood uh, is the sweet-smelling savor. So when we're covered by His blood, Jesus, God, looks down and He sees the blood, but He smells it too. And it don't smell like sin. We, I know some of you might not have been here for the, that message when I preached on getting the undeserved blessing, and that's Esau and Jacob. But we know that Jacob and I mean Esau and Isaac, his father and son, and Esau was loved by his father. I mean Esau walked around all day. Oh, how I love Esau! He, he sung that all the time. You know, uh, somebody laugh. Come on. Oh my goodness. Uh, what we done here, but what I'm talking about is that has they done all that kind of stuff and, and all of that took place, uh, he even smelt his boy, Jacob. Smelled him, felt him, all that. He says, well, you feel like, I, you feel like Jacob. No, you feel like Jacob, but you smell like Esau. That's something, ain't it? And what, what does that mean? What does that mean anything at all? Well, Esau was a hunter and we know all about that. But let me tell you is that when it comes down to it, when God looks upon us and, and looks down upon us, you know He sees Jesus? How? My, my, my. He was decayed. He was dead. He was decayed. Then we read in verse 21 there. Um, we read in verse 21, the Bible says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord... If thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. Verse 32 tells us that if, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. So it says, right? He was dead. He was decayed. He was doomed. He was doomed is what he was doomed. He was doomed. If, if the word if there, the word if is a doubt that God can do it or not. Aren't you glad tonight, Fran? Aren't you glad that even though we have doubts upon things, God still does things for us? 
Even when we put some ifs in things, God in His wonderful abundant mercy still blesses us with help. My, my, my. That shows me a lot right there. He says, she said, if that would have been here. But he was doomed there in the minds of the people. He was gone. In the minds of people at the tomb, he was just gone. Doomed. There was nothing that they could do. But here's the reason he wasn't gone. Jesus was there. Jesus was there. That's the reason he wasn't. That's the reason all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus makes all the difference for me and you. He makes the difference. And let me tell you, you got sin, I know a remedy. You got sickness, I know a remedy. You need a Savior, I know the remedy. Amen. His name is Jesus. He made the difference for me. He makes the difference for you. If you need a Savior, I promise you, He is the one for you. For me, for you, we were dead in our sins. Uh, my sin, uh, my sin stunk. Uh, all of that kind of stuff. I was doomed to the devil's hell. But thank God Jesus made a difference in me. Yeah, man, any other method is no good, but Jesus alone can make that difference. That's something right there. Also, we may give up on folks like Lazarus. You hear me? Also, we may give up on folks like Lazarus. Who's dead? Oh, my. They're dead in their trespasses and their sins. They sin too much. They're too far. The, the hand of God can't reach. Listen, who's measuring the hand of God? Because you ain't. Hey, man. Too, uh, he's too far gone. I can't get him. God can get whoever He wants to get. God can do whatever, whenever, however, to whomever He wants to do it to. Amen. God can reach the lowest and the backslidden of sinners. It doesn't matter how far you've been, what you've done, how you've acted. God can still do something with you, friend. How do you know? Well, look at Rahab's life. I like to use Rahab. Look at Rahab's life. What was she? A harlot. She was a sinner. She was all of that kind of stuff, but she got washed by the scarlet, thank God. That harlot, she got in there, thank God. And when it comes down to it, there is no measurable hand of God's hand. Amen? It is not measured. There is no way we could measure the hand of God. The arm of God can reach as far and as low as He wants it to go. He gives the grace. We don't tell and we don't say and ask and all this kind of stuff. There's some of you in here I thought never would get saved. From my mortal mind. I knew God could, but from my mortal mind, I didn't think he'd get saved. Why, preacher? Saying you had doubt? No, I didn't have doubt in God. I had doubt in the fact of yourself, of you. There was nothing I could do or anybody else could do to get you to the house of God. Tried for years. But what? But God. Jesus made a difference. I thank God tonight that it doesn't matter how bad you've been. How far you've gone. How you've acted. Quit giving up on people, friend. Amen. Amen. Quit giving up on people that you thank God can't, can't get. That you thank God can't save. So we see Lazarus in the tomb there. Then we see secondly tonight, we see Lazarus and the transformation. Lazarus and the transformation, verse 43 and verse 44, the Bible says, And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice. 
Lazarus come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped, was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. We see the transformation there. Uh, he received there at the beginning of that, he received a personal call. He said, Lazarus, come forth. You know why he didn't just say come forth? Because everybody would have rose. <laughs> the, all the graves would bust open and the rapture would have already took place. Amen. Everybody would have been alive and living another life. But no, 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 that's not what happened. He had a personal call and Jesus walked up to that tomb and he said, Lazarus. With a, it says with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Yeah, man, he came forth. I'm glad it was a personal call. When Jesus called on the tomb, he, he issued a personal call specifically that was called for Lazarus, a call for no one else, no one else that was dead. I don't know if they had tombstones back then. I don't know if there was tombstones here, tombstone there. I do not know, but I do know one thing, that what did happen that day is that no one was called but Lazarus. Nobody. Grace, friend. Grace! That's grace. The gospel call is not just a general call to all men. It's not like people think it is. It is not a general call, but thank God it's an individual call. The Bible says in the book of John in 6 and 44, as I mentioned earlier, let me read that verse there. The Bible says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent him, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Unless you're drawn to come to the house of God, unless you're drawn to come to the altar, unless you're drawn for salvation and come to Jesus, you'll never make it. Amen. You say, that's a little bit superstitious. That's a little bit crazy right there. No, that's Bible. Unless He draws you, we can pull, we can tug, and that's the biggest problem with today's church. Biggest problem with today's church and today's parents is they want to do like this. Give me your hand. You stay there. Pull on myself. Lay down. Lay down. On the ground. Keep laying down. That's what we want to do. Keep laying down. We just want to... I mean, we just want to drag them to the altar, right? We want to do it. But that's not our duty to do. Is it? Is that our duty to pull Him to the altar? That's not my duty to pull him to the altar and tell him he needs to get saved. That's not your duty to tell your kids you, they need to be saved. Now it's your duty to tell them they need to be saved, but it's your, not, not, not your duty to save them because you'll never do it. But it has to be a personal call on that person's life. Your kid, your father, your mother, your daddy, your brother, whatever it is, it has to be a specific personal call from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when He calls their life, I promise you, they will know it. Amen. They'll heed to it. I mean, now don't get me wrong, there's times that people don't heed to it, but they ain't going to make it far. And if they do, they'll die. You say, preacher, that's hard preaching. Oh, they will die. Because you try to rebuke the name of Jesus Christ and try to blaspheme the name of Jesus Christ and tell Him no. Telling Jesus no 
is like your kid saving up money all summer long in a summer's job to buy somebody a gift. And then when they walk up to that person and they say, here, I got you a gift that I saved. And that person says, no, it is just like that by telling the Father in heaven. It's the wrath of God. You will experience it. You tell him no, it's going to be just like you experience the wrath of a father or mother who done that for their kid. Would you do that, father or mother? Would you, would you allow somebody or like it if somebody told your kid no, even though they saved their whole summer and it broke their heart that they were told no by the person who they saved that money for? I believe it'd make you upset. Now, how do you think God works? God works the same way. And what He's going to do is He's going to get upset. And now you got to experience the wrath. It's something, friend. It's something. Thank God it's a personal call, though. I'm glad it was a personal call in my life. My life was a personal call when He called my name. And I knew who it was. Just like everybody else in the Bible, amen? When they, when they, when you, when he, when Jesus called your name, do you know who he was calling? Yeah. Amen. Amen. It was a personal call. It was a precise call. It was a precise call. He called clearly. He says, come forth. Lazarus, come forth is what he said. Am I right? That's what he said there. He, it was a precise. Jesus told Lazarus exactly what he wanted to do. What he wanted him to do. Lazarus didn't have a choice. He was dead. Amen. Amen. Y'all with me now? Amen. He says, come forth is what he says. You know what I'm glad about, friend? I'm glad that I got a God who puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. He makes it okay and easy for a dumb person like me, amen. He says, here, I'll put them down lower so they're easier to reach, thank God. I'm glad that we got a God who's precise and just says what He wants you to do. He don't beat around the bush like we do with Him. We get in prayer and we'll say, God, you're, you're asking for a new truck. God, um, can you give me some money? God, God I, I need something. Just tell him what you want. You gotta be specific with God. Amen. If you want it, you better ask for it. Amen. And what did they do there? What did they do there? He says, Lazarus, come forth. And because he was so precise and because he's God, it turned from a personal call to a precise call to a powerful call. Yeah, man, it was a powerful call. He received a powerful call. This call was powerful, thank God. It brought him out of death and out of darkness into the light and into life. Amen. It brought him to that is what it done. Thank God. And, and, and you know, it changed everything for Lazarus. Everything. He already had a death day. <laughs> He's already been marked dead. Amen. He's already been marked dead and all that kind of stuff has done come in. But let me tell you something. Same for us though. When the call of Jesus takes place and is heeded in our life, everything will change. You believe that? It will make a life changing. It will change a life. It will change a marriage. It will change a, a, a everything when Jesus calls. Amen. It will take away 
the blindness and deadness that sin has on us? Hallelujah. How did Lazarus? But how do you say, you say, preacher, how did Lazarus hear the call? He was dead. I don't know exactly how to answer that question. But I will tell you this. Um, God calls deaf ears. And He calls a dumb brain a dead brain. He called a de- caused a dead brain to hear His voice. Well, he did the same for you and I. He did the same for you and I. So, 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 so how, how did He do the same for you and I? We were dead and we did not care about anything that had to do with God. You say, preacher, I wasn't that far. I was raised in church. Doesn't matter. If you weren't saved, you still didn't care a whole lot about it. He done that to Lazarus. But thank God there's a type there and He done it for me and you. If you're saved in here tonight, you experience that personal call. You experience that precise call. And thank God you experienced a powerful call. Because I know some of y'all's past. I know some things that you've done. I know some things that I've done. And I know that it would take the power of God to save somebody like me. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't keep myself out of hell. Amen. So we see. We see those things there in this text. And see, I'm mind blown by this. I'm mind blown by the fact of how this is, how I've skipped over this my whole life. How have I not seen? I've heard all about Lazarus. I knew about Lazarus a long time ago. I knew about Lazarus in, in chapter 25 where he says, I am the life. I am the, I am all of that kind of stuff. He says he's the resurrection. He's the life. And he, he, it, it doesn't matter if they're dead. He can raise them. But when I realized this type here, and I realized that it made me and you put in Lazarus' shoes, I said, Lord, thank you for this message. Don't worry. It's not over. I thank God that we can go from the tomb. We've seen Lazarus in the tomb. Thank God. We've seen Lazarus, we've seen Lazarus in the tomb. We've seen Lazarus in his transformation. There had to be a transformation in our life, right? We started in the tomb. We were dead, right? That's Bible. We were dead. We were wrapped up. Everything was done in our lives. We were headed to hell. But thank God there was a transformation through that personal, precise calling and a powerful transformation by the Almighty. And then we see Lazarus and the table. He went from the tomb to the transformation and now he's sitting at the table. And by the way, I just want to get this out of the way. He's alive. They didn't wrap, they didn't put his mummy body, mummy body sitting there either, friend. He was alive. Walking. You ever seen a dead man walking? You see him every day. I'm going to preach it one day out of the book of Ephesians in chapter two. I got a series that I've been studying on. The Lord's given me. I've been preaching. I've been, I've been studying a lot out of these things. I was off all week. Don't, don't, now I, I've been studying a lot. I'm going to preach this thought. I see dead people. Y'all think I'm crazy. I know. But I'm going to preach it. I see dead people. Because I see dead people every day. Sinners are dead. And you and I once were, yeah. 
But now, this dead man, he had life. He had life when he was sitting at that table. We read in verse 44, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Now, why does it say his face was bound about with a napkin? We'll get to that in a minute. I don't want to jump ahead, but that that could have been skipped out of there. You realize that, right? We'll get to that. Jesus saith in him, loose him, and let him go. In verse 1, in verse 2 of chapter 12, Then Jesus six days before the Passover came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat. Man, I like those words. I, 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 I put that, I underlined that in my Bible. Sat at the table with him. Now, Think about this dead man. This man was dead. We know he's alive now. But now, not only is he alive, but he's sitting at the table with the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's sitting at the table with the king. He had life though now. Here's a man who was dead uh, for four days. Not one day, not two days, not three days. Four days. How many hours is that? Is it 96 hours? This man was dead for a long time. That's crazy. That's mind-blowing to me. He was dead, but now he has life. He's able to fellowship again, but he's alive is what he is. Uh, he's fully alive. And when, But let me tell you something. Uh, when a sinner comes to Jesus, when a sinner comes to Jesus for salvation, he is brought out of death, and made alive. Amen. He's made alive. Let me let me turn over here so I don't misquote this verse. But in Ephesians in two, in verse five, the Bible says, "Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace you're saved." Hallelujah. By grace you're saved. Uh, let me tell you, He made us alive. Thank the Lord. You know, friend, that you know that you were hell bound one day when Jesus stopped by. I believe it. I believe it's all worth shouting about. You were dead. I mean, dead. No, no worthy of heaven. You weren't worthy of the Savior. You weren't worthy of anything but the devil's hell. I deserve to be down there with a key lock, my back broke, everything else, and, and just, I'm talking about straight up suffering. That's where I deserve to be. But thank God now we can fellowship with God. We can fellowship with God. He's now alive. Uh, well, what was dead before? And, and you know what, you know what the thing about it is, is he even has an appetite for the things he didn't have before. He desires to sit at the king's table. I desire to sit at the king's table. And one day I will, and ain't nothing that any of y'all can do about it. Hope you go with me. Thank God. He had life is what he had. Verse 44, he had liberty. What do you mean he had liberty? The Bible says, and he that was dead came forth. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Yeah. 
He had liberty that when Lazarus came out, he was still bound in his grave clothes. He was still bound inside of his grave clothes. uh, And Jesus, 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 issues the command to let him go. He issues the command to let him go. He issues that command. and, And this is what every single child of God has experienced right here. Every single one of us have experienced this right here. We experienced uh, Him loosing our chains that have us bound. It's a full type here. It's a full type. You know, whatever binded you, whatever bound you uh, before you got born again, He loosed all of them things. Uh, Whatever was in front of you, uh, He kicked them out of the way. Uh, He breaks the power of sin and allows you to go free. Thank God. Let me read Romans in chapter 6 and verse 14. The Bible says this there. Um, let me see if I can find my spot. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. Washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm saved, saved, saved by His wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out He would bring me out and show me the way. Hey, we're free tonight. What the Son has set free, He is free indeed. John 8. 36. Thank God I'm free tonight. I'm glad I have liberty. Liberty. I have life. I have liberty, thank God. I'm glad that I have all of that. And then we read in verse 44 as well. And he that was dead. He that was dead in our trust. It says he that was dead came forth. Bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. I almost jumped ahead just a minute ago. He had life. He had liberty. But he also had light. He had light. Well, let me get into this for just a second. The Bible says that his face was covered with a napkin, right? Is that what the Bible says there? His face was covered with a napkin. Because of it, he was in darkness. There's a type of everything in the Bible. Because of it, he was in darkness and and it was removed and that allowed the light to enter into his eyeballs. That allowed the light to hit his eyeballs there. And when we come to Jesus for salvation, we were in darkness. But now he is the light. And when he comes in, we can see. Let me just give you something real quick, a little nugget that I learned this week. Did you know that Jesus outshines them all? Read it. You can read it. In Matthew, Matthew chapter 17, and I preached out of this text one time. In Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to read one verse there real quick. The Bible says in verse 2, "...and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light." 
Let me tell you something this morning, this evening. Any light that is in, is in this world, Jesus outshines them all. Amen. As they were up on the mountain that day, the inside glory of Jesus Christ, being the Father of God, the Son of God, excuse me, come out, the, the God on the inside of Him come out that day. Amen. He was transfigured, metamorphosed. He was whatever you want to call it. He turned from a caterpillar to a butterfly, from a power ranger to a regular person. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. This is a God who's a transformer. Amen. This is a God that can do it here. But let me tell you, is what He done is when He was up on the mountain, there was Moses, there was Elijah, Elijah, excuse me, there was Peter, there was James, and there was John. But you know Jesus outshined them all? Hallelujah. He outshined them all. There was, uh, there is a light in this world. The brightest light and the biggest light in this world today is what, Xavier? That's a good answer, but that's not what I'm looking for. In this world, what do you see every day? What? The sun? How do you spell that? S-U-N? What about Jesus? Is He the Son of God? How do you spell that? S-O-N. So there's a sun, shines the brightest in this world today. And there's also another sun that is brighter than that. Amen. You know the moon has no light? It's a rock. But it's a reflection of the sun. You're a whole lot like the moon today. Be like it. Amen. Be like it. You might just be a rock. You might be planted on the rock. Thank God you're in a good place if you planted on the rock. The moon, it's just a rock. That's all it is. It's just an old rock. I don't know what it's made out of, but rock. Amen. But let me tell you something about that rock. Is that that rock shines brighter than a, a, a lot of the rest of the, uh, the, the ones that are up in the sky. A lot of the rest of them, the moon still shines brighter, but the moon don't actually shine. It's the sun shining through that moon. So how does the sun shine through the moon and make the moon brighter than a lot of the rest of them? It's the same thing it can do to us. If we'll let the sun shine through us, I promise you, we'll outshine the rest of this world. This world around us, COVID-19, Antifa, LGBTQ, and all the rest of them, we will outshine them if we can let the sun shine through us. Jesus outshines them all. Yeah, man, there was a light. He had a light. He had a light there. Thank God that when Jesus entered in, He was the light to make my darkened eyes see. Yeah, man, there was life. He had liberty. He had life. He had light. He had luxury. He had luxury, and I'm done. I'm done right here. Lazarus had spent four days... He had spent four days sealed up in a tomb. Now, though, he's alive. He's well. And he's sitting at the table with the king. Well, what a change. Amen? How many times, friend? How many times? Be honest. You don't have to say yes. You don't have to raise your hand. Just praise God for what I'm about to say. How many times have you found yourself sitting on a bar stool? Quite a few times, some of you maybe. But one day, there's a seat seated 
near the Father, near the Son, and you can sit at that table now. There's a seat saved for you inside of heaven. There's a seat saved for me inside of heaven. No longer am I sitting at a barred stool. No longer am I, am I sitting here or sitting there, sitting in this carnal place, sitting in this wicked place. But no, friend, I'm sitting with the King. You know what the Bible says? We're seated today in heavenly places. Live like it. If you're already in heaven, you might as well live like it, right? Hallelujah. He had luxury. I, I'm glad that we get to fellowship and, and dine with the king. We get to fellowship and dine with the king. To thank, just to thank that he would take someone who were dead in their sins, uh, washed it, uh, and washed them in his own blood, uh, Take the time to come down here, live a 33 and a half perfect sinless life, sinless years, and die and wash us in His own blood, save us by His grace, and seat us so we can spend eternity with Him in heaven. That's a luxury today. That's a luxury that should not be mine. But I praise the Lord for that luxury. I praise the Lord that I can dine with a king. I praise the Lord that I get to do that. I'm glad that Jesus showed up by the tomb of my life. Hallelujah. I'm glad He showed up at the tomb of my life and called me to come to Him. Dead. I mean dead. If you're not safe, still trapped in the darkness tonight, come to Him. I don't know. I think everybody's saved in here. But I'm always, always going to give that invitation. Because I never know now, trust me. So I tell you, tonight, if you would stand to your feet. If you're not saved, come to Him. But if you are saved, shout about it. Shout about it. He brought you from the tomb to the table. Glory to God, He brought me from the tomb to the table. You know, I'm sure that some religious, uh, uh, religious, whatever they want to call themselves, uh, uh, people who, who, who know your past, who know about what you used to do, who know about all that kind of stuff, and sometimes even church people who you come in, you sit on the pew, they see something about your life, they see you, you're, they remember your past, they do all this kind of stuff, and they look down their, their long nose at you, and them long-tongued people want to look over at you, and they want to say, look who's coming for supper. That person don't deserve to be at supper. We don't, but I sure got there just as good, just as good as anybody else did. I, it took as much grace to get me to the table as it did anybody else. It took as much grace to get these kids to the table as it did anybody else. I'm glad he let me in. And I don't care nothing about those religious, sacrilegious, wicked people who want to look down their long nose at somebody for what they've done. Why? The blood covered it all. Simple, right? Glad let me in. Look who's coming to supper. I'm glad I'll be there. 
I'm glad I'll be at the marriage supper of Jesus Christ. Amen. One day I'll be there. The marriage supper of the Lamb. When I get to stand and I get to sit beside my, my, the, the, my, my, the husbandman. I'm the bride of Christ. He's coming back to get me. He's coming back to get you uh, and take us home to heaven and sit us at the table with Him. There'll be good food. But I tell you tonight, there's good food in this Word. Good food. Thank the Lord for what He's done. Don't you leave here tonight without thanking God. You ain't got to necessarily come to the altar. I'm just glad that He let me come to supper. It might sound country. It might sound out of the way. You're inside a church preaching about coming to supper. Maybe I'm hungry when I was thinking about this. I don't know. God just impressed it on my heart and I love it. Amen. And I'm glad. Sure enough. Thank the Lord.